Hello, and welcome to SED, SOS Care's Autism and Intellectual Disability Dialogues, a podcast series that delves into the diverse and ever-evolving world of autism and intellectual disabilities. I'm your host, Paula Katar, and together we'll embark on a journey of exploration, education, and empowerment. Autism, a neurodevelopmental disorder that affects millions of individuals worldwide, is a topic that demands our attention, understanding, and compassion. In starting this podcast, we're aiming to shed light on the experiences, challenges, and triumphs of those living with autism, as well as the remarkable people that advocate for them. Over the course of this series, we hope to bring you enlightening conversations with a range of voices, including families supporting a loved one with an intellectual disability, officials and advocates helping to shape policies, authorities and experts in the field, as well as individuals on the autism spectrum themselves. By delving into these diverse perspectives, we hope to foster a deeper understanding of autism, dismantling stereotypes and replacing them with the tapestry of human stories. Our goal is to create a space where listeners can gain insights into the lived experiences of individuals on the autism spectrum, appreciate the tireless efforts of families, and recognize the vital role that support systems play in shaping a more inclusive society. Through these heartfelt conversations, we'll explore the triumphs and challenges faced by families navigating daily life, the legislative initiatives that impact the community, and the innovative programs and services offered by organizations in our neighborhood, and perhaps yours as well. We'll uncover stories of resilience, creativity, and achievements that defy expectations, celebrating the unique strengths and contributions of our greater understanding overall. By shedding light on the realities of autism and intellectual disabilities, as well as highlighting the work being done to promote inclusion and acceptance, we hope to inspire change, spark conversation, and foster a greater sense of empathy and support for these individuals and families. So, join us as we embark on this discussion, exploring this multifaceted community. Together, we'll deepen our understanding, challenge our preconceptions, and work towards a society that values neurodiversity. Welcome to SED. Hello and welcome to our first episode. Today we're featuring what will ultimately be a series that we'll call Sibling Stories. We have Nicole Goshorn talking about her brother, Caden, and we hope you enjoy the conversation. You want to start us off, Paul? We'll go from there. Sure. Um, So we are here as part of SOS Care's uh, Sibling Stories series. Uh, Today we have Kathy Grace. We have Justin, our IT guru, on the call. And we also have Nicole. Nicole, can you introduce yourself? Yeah. Hi, my name is Nicole Goshorn. Um, My brother, Caden, is 20 years old and he has um, nonverbal autism. He was diagnosed when he was two. Um, Yeah, he's a pretty cool kid. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, what we thought we would do is just sort of have a conversation. What we are finding, we've had a lot of parents around the table talking about lots of things with kids with autism. And in one of our meetings, having nothing to do with siblings, we got to speaking about people's other kids uh, and realized that when their kids are little, they worry, well, the child with disability is going to take up all my time. And I worry about the child that doesn't have disabilities. And in the long run, it winds up being... The person without the disability sometimes turns out to be one of the strongest advocates for their brother or sister. Yeah. So that idea and story sort of came to came to you know it's, it came out of a, a different meeting we were having and said you know what that sounds like a really cool story, and our podcast idea was born. So uh, you're the first, and we're just going to kind of walk oh, through. Oh, thank you. I'm <laughs> 
And, and I think from our end, the parents are such strong advocates for their person at home that we've heard their stories, you know, kind of through time. And usually the, the people that we hear from least are the brother or sister that was, you know, there to see it you know, happen and unfold. And we're kind of curious for that side of the lens, that, that side of the story. So as much as there's like, you know, three sides to every story in truth, there's four five, six, seven, eight of them. Absolutely. Um, and we're interested to hear what that may be from your perspective and from others as well. Yeah. So yeah. tell us a little bit about Caden. Yeah. So, um, as I said, Caden is, um, nonverbal diagnosed when he was two. He's, um, He's very, he's, he's all the spectrum. He's all the rainbows and colors, all the puzzle pieces. He is a very special individual with autism. And I think, you know, going back to what you're saying about advocates and how, you know, siblings tend to be some of their strongest ones, but you don't hear from those much is because I think the sibling advocacy is so different because with someone like my brother and with someone with autism who does need that around the clock attention, around the clock care, and does need so much time, you know, for someone like me that lived with it 24 seven until I was, went off to college, the last thing I wanted to do was talk or be with someone with autism, <laughs> like quite frankly. And I mean, and I think that's so healthy. I mean, it was just, I mean, I lived with it all the time sure. and, you know, it's, I think it's a special kind of advocacy because only later on in life do I realize, I mean, not later on in life, I'm only 24, but like I realize, you know, how important speaking up for him is and how like, you know, when I was thinking about what I wanted to do for a career, I was like, I do not want to do speech pathology. I don't want to get involved in that. Um, Cause I think a lot of siblings with autism, they think we think that we have to do something you know, to help them or to be involved in their community when I think we all want our own kind of identity away from it. And I find that there's never, I'm never going to have that. And I love that because I find myself in my job now talking about him all the time. <laughs> it's, you know, my experience with him, mm -hmm. you know, what kind of obstacles he faces now as a young adult. Um, and even when I was in college, like the obstacles he faced while he was still in grade school. Um, I think with that all being said, Caden is so special and he's so special to me because I think he's really the reason why I'm like here today and doing what I'm doing. I think there's going to be deeper down the line. Am I going to realize like, oh, wow, this has even a bigger purpose than just the tiny conversations I have now that drive me to do what I do. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do? Yeah. So I work in government relations in Georgia. Um, simple terms i'm a lobbyist <laughs> um so i work down at the state capitol um every january and during off session i um work on legislative issues in the interim i do procurement work all that kinds of stuff and um just sharing his story is something that all legislators have been so interested in and something that i love talking about to them because they're very interested in um what they don't see and what they don't experience. I mean, they are representatives and mm -hmm. hearing my story is, even though I think my story is so unique and Caden's is, you know, it, it kind of paints a picture into maybe some constituents who aren't talking to them. Sure. And don't, because it's an issue that, I mean, housing is probably the number one lately I've been talking about the most and just how amazing SOS is and everyone here is just 
amazed by what you guys do. I've been sharing a lot about it. And so I find that, you know, that was never my like intention going into this. I was like, I'm not, you know, I work in uh, corporate lobbying and stuff. And I was like, I find myself in these conversations. I'm like, wow, <laughs> kind of did a 180 there. And it's, it's kind of just something that they're interested in. And I love it. That's awesome. Well, mm -hmm. Sarah's known you since you were significantly younger, and Sarah Pope is our CEO. And yeah. I wish I had her here today because she actually, when this whole conversation came to be, said, I remember Nicole standing up and oh. reading this poem of some kind or something you had written when you were little. Yeah, I remember that vividly. That was back when SOS Clinic was down in Surfside near that um, golf course. Oh, was it Surfside? I think it was kind of, yeah, it was Surfside. And I remember, I don't remember who the group was. I think it was a bunch of parents and I, my mom made me write something. I don't remember what I wrote at all. I was like, I had to have been maybe 10. Okay. Maybe. That's the I'm memory then. Cause she said you stood up there and you just read this piece of paper and they all looked at you like, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, see, you did start at an early age and realize it or not, it's still with you. Oh, yeah. I think, you know, Caden is, I think he's, I think people are starting to have more of an understanding of it. Mm -hmm. But, or like, at least a, awareness is a not a great term. And neither is understanding. I think acknowledgement yeah. of autism. I think because it's, we're finding more and more people are being diagnosed Mm -hmm. um and One you know 36 is the latest number from the cdc yeah that's what my mom told me mm -hmm. and that's just it's crazy to me and i remember you know knowing almost everyone in the autism community back right. when caden was first diagnosed and mm -hmm. now i'm like who are these people you're talking about mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know and i think that obviously has something to do with it that more people are becoming impacted by it mm -hmm. or people are realizing later on that oh i was impacted by it or something but i think you know, you don't really understand until you're a sibling or you're someone who has it. It's something that it's so like, I can never really explain to someone why Caden has to wash his hands like five times or like every time he walks into the house, why he has to do these weird, like situational things or behaviors. I can never explain to that. And that was something that was hard growing up with like, Sometimes that it was Caden had a bad day. So maybe don't have your friends over. That was something that was difficult. But now I really don't care about it. I think that was just a, I think that was just a, you know, I'm in high school, like my oh, social yeah. life. <laughs> and, and I think, but I think that's so, um, so valid for siblings to have those feelings. Cause sure. it was, it was hard, really hard sometimes, you know, not being able to, have my friends over or, you know, Caden's just running through the neighborhood in his, or in the house in his underwear. <laughs> and I can't like, you know, right. like, oh, I'm sorry. Like this person's <laughs> over at my house the first time. My house was never boring. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> but, that's the other side of it. Sure. Yeah. But I think, you know, it's a, uh, it, but my mom did a really great job at giving me those moments that I did need. Good. or giving me like the freedom I did to do that. And I think that's probably why a lot of siblings don't like to talk about their advocacy as much or don't aren't as vocal as advocates is because, you know, you spend so much time like having to um, 
like frame your life around him or mm -hmm. like you know you know what i'm trying to say sure. um and it's kind of a you don't want to i don't know you spend so much time framing your life around him that you know you want those small pieces to yourself sure and then you realize at the end of the day like you're doing it the whole time absolutely that's that's very true we were um Sarah and I had a breakfast to go to at the beginning of the year to our South Carolina uh, legislative delegation. And yeah, I yeah. said, what are we talking to them about? Because, you know, usually she's got a very clear direction in mind. And she goes, oh, we're going to talk about waivers. Again, coming to SOS, I've been here for about two years and don't have a child or anybody I know with a disability that I'm responsible for. I had no idea what waivers were. And what do you, yeah. and waiting lists. What kind of waiting lists? Oh, how long do you think you sit on a waiting list? my answer was six months to a year and she said seven <laughs> to ten years and my mouth flew open and i yeah. thought that's not possible so once she explained that process to me and that somebody has to die or leave the state for your spot to move up on the waiting list i was like we have to tell people this <laughs> and i got in the ear of every member of that south carolina delegation that day uh, because it was absolutely shocking to me that yeah. people sit on waiting lists for that many years so it's it's crazy i know kaden when kaden was first diagnosed my mom um he had a great doctor at musc and he she told him or she told my mom get on the waiting list immediately so kaden was put on when he was two mm -hmm. and he got it end of towards the end of no middle of his high school year so maybe around like 14 15 around there right and, you know, without that, I don't know what she would do right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, the fact that she got in so early and, you know, I think another uh, interesting point is, you know, I think siblings spend so much time trying to define themselves outside of the world of autism that we weirdly always find ourselves back in that world or in a similar world. And my, uh, I live in Atlanta now and I sublet from an amazing family and their daughter has Down syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> She's, she's incredible. Awesome. Uh, she's very awesome. And, uh, but I've talked to her all the time about their waivers and about helping her. And I actually was able to get her down to our state capitol this year because there was an amazing bill going through to allow um, people that are in the, uh, that are disabled and in the programs at like Georgia Tech or UGA mm -hmm. to uh, allow them to qualify for the state scholarships. Because oh, current, because cool. before, yeah, before tuition had to come out of pocket, they did not qualify for. Here we have something called Zell Miller, which is very similar to um, Life Scholarship, I believe, mm -hmm. is in South Carolina mm -hmm. or Palmetto. Right. Yeah, my uh, daughter gets it every year. Thank heavens. Yeah, they couldn't qualify. She couldn't wow. qualify because she didn't graduate. She doesn't graduate with a normal diploma. Correct. Um, oh wow. Yeah. So it's it, they're the Georgia Tech program and UGA's programs are similar to Clemson Life. Okay. Uh, because they don't get a normal diploma. And I was able to actually, a legislator I know very well was pushing the bill. And she approached me one day, I was going back into my house and she was like, what do you know about this bill? And I was like, well, give me the number. And she was, and I was like, oh God, this is this legislator. I was like, let me call, let me call them and call them and got her down to the Capitol and, you know, just helping that and the legislator and them were just also thankful. And the bill unfortunately didn't make it, but 
uh, they got it in another bill. And so it passed oh, in another oh, bill. That's yeah. incredible. That is great. See? And the, well, the cool thing is, is that they, it was, uh, the bill they got it in was um, by a floor leader and mm -hmm. the governor's floor leader. And very rarely can you ever mess with a governor's bill. <laughs> so, well, yeah. So he got it in. So I guess, yeah, that's kind of the whole waiver thing is that, you know, her, they're still on the wait list and she's still on the wait list for another seven years, I think. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's kind of, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. I mean that you would have to, if you're in kindergarten applying for a waiver, you wouldn't receive it until after you graduate high school. Yeah. Yeah. Even if. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, I, even yeah. If. if you should be so lucky. Yeah. We've had parents tell us they put their kids on the wedding list when they were four or five, knowing, well, maybe, maybe 10 years from now we'll get lucky. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, I think my mom being a single mom definitely helped. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, isn't that awful? I know. <laughs> well, Nicole, I think you have made this everything we thought it could be. I think it's been a wonderful uh -huh. discussion, um, and I think we're ready to wrap it up. Is there anything you want other people to know about Caden that you haven't shared with us? I think um, how much he loves people, and how badly he wants friends, and in that life, and I think you know, these services that we take for granted or that people can't get like housing and like, you know, waivers are catalysts to helping him live an independent social life. Like how, and I'll give an example, like I will never forget one of his therapists from when I was a little, little girl, like around six years old, got married and, um, she, uh, I was her flower girl and Caden was her ring bearer. And it was, Caden, oh, this is so funny. Caden didn't wear shoes. He could not wear the shoes. So he's in like a full tux. He's like four barefoot sure. in the church. It was great. And uh, they said, kiss the bride. And Caden went up to her and kissed her. <laughs> and there, awesome. you'll have to ask my mom for that picture. She has it. It is so funny. But I think that's just kind of like how, deeply he loves people and how deeply he wants to um, please people or make people laugh or just show them his love. And I think that, you know, the least we can do to him is, and people like him is give them opportunities to allow them to do that and thrive, I guess. Wonderful. Thank you, Nicole. No we appreciate it very, very much. <laughs> no problem. Anytime. I will be happy to chat anytime. Awesome. Well, we appreciate it. And I think that's a wrap. That's a wrap. Thank you again so much. All right, Nicole. Hopefully we'll talk soon. I really enjoyed it. All right. We hope you enjoyed our first episode. Said is produced by Kathy Grace, Justin Barrero, and myself, Paula Guitar. The podcast is mixed and engineered by Paula Guitar. Thank you very much for tuning in, and we look forward to having you back again. Take care. Bye-bye.